0: Let me say that um, I like all this music. (laughs) I like that. You know, I wish I could jump like that. (laughs) I'll be 70 real soon. And I can't move as well as I used to, but that's all right, I can still move. Let me thank you for what you've done here this morning these very fine musicians. I tell you, we could just listen to that for the rest of the day. (laughs) You know, I tell you, hospitality has been at its apex here. There were some very fine folk at the doors and and just folk doing all kinds of things around here. And I I just want to thank you for all that you've done. I like this little drummer in here. uh, and I liked all of that, so I want to thank you all for, for that that you do. Um, and then I came here earlier, and there was some 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 biscuits and and all that kind of thing. Well, now this is all right. <laughs> then they took me to the back there to the children's place and and it was decorated, and it looked good and I like that. I'm very proud to be uh, connected to you. Uh, And then uh, I saw some little children running around here, just little boys. I I know I counted at least 12, and they were running. And then I saw these twins earlier this morning. Well, now I'm going to talk. Y'all don't worry about it. Stop looking at your watches back there. (laughs) You don't worry about that. Hospitality is at its apex here. Now, let me tell you this. You've got one of the finest pastors that I've ever appointed. And he has a very fine wife, I tell you the truth. Y'all got this thing going here. I like all of this. I like this, and maybe I should appoint me here, what about that? (laughs) Well, I'm too old, I can only serve two more years, and we have to retire at 72. I'm grateful to be here, and the only thing that exceeds my gratitude is my humility. God has blessed me beyond measure. He has truly blessed me. And I'm grateful for all that he's done, and, and I'm grateful for all that you've done. So I'm going to ask that uh, you listen to these words from John's Gospel, um, the fifth chapter, verses one through nine. Now you know my, and like this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep goat, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now there's a great number of disabled people used to be there. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. They were all there. One who was there for approximately 38 years. I'm going to move in my own language for a minute. And then Jesus came one day and and asked the fellow, do you want to be made whole? And the fella said, well now, there's nobody to put me in the water when the bubbles come. And they interchanged with one another for a brief moment. And then Jesus said, take up your beard, take up your pallet and walk. And he did. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said. Amen. Now from that text and from my wording on the text, I want you to think with me on the subject title Hold on. Don't give up. Help is on the way. Hold on. Don't give up. Help is on the way. Now, friends, let me say this. I like all of the miracles in the Bible. I like all of the miracles in the Bible. I've I've studied the miracles for around 20 years. I like turning the water into wine at the wedding at Canaan. I like that miracle. Can you imagine going to a wedding and there's no wine? I like that miracle. <laughs> I, that's, that's the first one in the Gospel of John. Or what about a Jesus, the lady touching the hem of his garment and being made whole? I like all of the miracles in the Bible. What about the Shunammite woman who couldn't have a child? And then she had a child And then the child died, and then she went to find Elijah to bring the child back. And, of course, he he was made whole again. I like it. Or what about blind Bartimaeus? The text said that he heard Jesus passing by, and he yelled, Jesus, Jesus, come on and see about me. Come and see about me. But then he did something strange. He said, Jesus, son of David, come and see about me. When he said, son of David, he reached way back into Jesus' lineage. It would be like folk who know me now would call me Reverend Wynn. Some people might call me Richard. Some people might call me Dickie. But if they call me Dickie, boy, they really know me. <laughs> That's what blind Bartimaeus did. Come on and see about me throughout the Gospels, all of these wonderful, wonderful miracles. I love the miracle stories because they all say not that God did miracles then, but God is still in the miracle-making business right now. I believe that Red Seas are still being opened. I believe the Jericho walls are still falling. As a matter of fact, this is a Jericho wall that we're standing in. I believe it all. In reference to our miracle today, I'm reminded of a story about a young man by the name of Michael. Now, now, Michael was jolted awake in his seat and thrown to the floor. The bump was enough to wake him from his sleep. He was surrounded, and Michael was on Amtrak's Miami-bound Sunset Limited, and the train ran off the tracks. Now, Michael could have just stayed, and, 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 t- and he could have taken care of himself. But he didn't. He decided that he would go back and he would see about the others on the train. And one after another, instead of him swimming to safety, he would go and get people. And when he would find them, he would take them to safety. And he would say, hang on, don't give up. Help is on the way. Michael grabbed the lady with the chicken box and the purple dress and instructed her to hang on don't give up, help is on the way. He found the old man with the shiny bottom suit and he took him to safety and he told him, hang on, don't give up, help is on the way. In each case, Michael instructed them to hang on, don't give up, help is on the way. But now friends, in our text for the morning, There's no Amtrak train, there's no Michael, but there was a pool. Right there in John's Gospel, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 9, there was a pool. At this pool, it was human nature for people to look out for themselves. The man in the text had been at the pool for 30-some-odd years, waiting on the water to bubble, assuming that he would be made whole When the bubbles came, each year religious people would come to this town, to Jerusalem. Surely he must have thought that if I sat there for 38 years, somebody's going to help me get in. And and listen, friends, these were religious folk coming year after year after year waiting to get in. The text did not give the man a name, Hmm. nor did it describe his affliction. Because he could not walk, you could assume that he was stricken with some form of paralysis. I don't know. He just laid there for 30 some odd years waiting to be healed. But as we read earlier, there was nobody to help him out. You know, I often wonder about this nameless, faceless man. And I often wonder who does this man really represent? Does he represent homeless people in in Atlanta? Who does this man represent? Who is this guy? And you know, I often wonder, why did they even put this story in the Bible? Does the man represent a portion of our society whose pools of Bethesda are injustice, fear, and poverty? Who is this guy? Regardless of who he is, there was nobody there to put him in. Nobody. And these were religious folk, folk who were just like you and I. And now the other thing I've often wondered about the worth of this story, I've often wondered why was it placed in the Bible in the first place? What was wrong with John? Why did he place it in there? I've often wondered how does Jesus feel when people hurt? I wondered about that. Well, I argue that the story is worth telling if all you do is watch Jesus walk. It's worth telling. The story is worth telling just to know that he even came to the man. You know, he really didn't have to. Surely there were more enjoyable activities in Jerusalem at the time. Had that been me, I would have been at the Jerusalem Hilton somewhere playing golf. Yeah, I would not have been around all of that poverty. It was Passover. It was an exciting time in the holy city. People had come from miles around to see what was going on, to meet Jesus. But there, Jesus found himself with the sick, the poor, the paralyzed, folk who couldn't do for themselves That's a weird thing, that is so weird. I mean, the big people in town were there. Just imagine the opening of the Mercedes Benz there in in Atlanta, all of the dignitaries there, everybody there, but here Jesus finds his way with sick folk, folk who couldn't do for themselves. But little did the Passover crowd know You know what, God is often with the sick. Little did they know that God walks slowly with the poor, the paralyzed. I may have mentioned to you last time I was here, I'm a three-time cancer survivor. You know, that's the weirdest thing in the world for somebody to have cancer three times. I hope I don't have it no more. (laughs) But i tell you this, the same God who blessed me the first time, the second time, and the third time is still on the throne ready to bless me for the fourth time. (laughs) The third time they said, oh look, he's dying. And I said to myself, oh my stars, what are they talking about? (laughs) If dying felt anything like this, I had headaches worse than that. But that's where God was looking after those who could not look for themselves. See, I fundamentally believe that everybody needs a miracle. I believe that everybody here under the sound of my voice need a, a miracle, and I also believe that everybody has been on a pool of Bethesda waiting for something to happen, waiting for God to break into history and do something for you that you can't do for yourself. Sort of reminds me when I was dating my wife fellas you know dating is pretty cool. The man told me, my daddy told me, he said now let me tell you something, I may have told y'all this, just play like it's for the first time. (laughs) Daddy said, boy you can't marry nobody if you haven't passed Spanish. I said, daddy what does Spanish have to do with falling in love and getting married? He said everything, if you don't pass Spanish you don't graduate from college. If you don't graduate from college, you don't have a job. If you don't have a job, you don't have a wife. And then I said, oh, I get it. Something that I couldn't do for myself. And then I fell down on my knees and said, Lord, have mercy on me. Earlier, I posed the question, who does this man really represent? Well, well, let me put a name to this nameless man. And let's put a face to this man. Guess what, it's yours and it's mine. That's who he represents. It's yours and mine. Because I believe that there are times in life where life grabs us and takes us places that we never thought we'd have to go. Who would have ever thought that I would have been in a hospital? I was Richard Wynn, six feet four, had an afro this big. Good looking. Life doesn't care nothing about how you look. Life doesn't care anything about how, what you have. Life is life. But God is above all of life. And I knew that my faith would make me whole. My only hope was God come on and see about me. Come on and see about me. You know, I'm going to tell y'all something. For the longest time when I read that text, I thought that Jesus was too kind. I thought the story was really too bizarre. I thought the story was too good to be true. But then I realized something. The story is not about a man in Jerusalem. The story is about you and me. That's what I realized. The man isn't nameless. It's my name. It's your name. Hmm in an attempt to find out who the man was, I went to my church in Atlanta. I pastored a church, and every Thursday, a drug dealer would come by, and he would come to clean up the church, and I would give him $20 to clean up the church. I didn't know what he did with the $20, but that's who that man in Bethesda was. That's who he represented. I thought about a guy by the name of Robert, who had gone to Harvard Law School. He passed the bar before he ever graduated, but was later found guilty of embezzlement, was stripped of his license. That's who that man represents. And then I thought about a guy by the name of Mark, who had climbed the ladder, and he fell down. That's who that man represents. Friends, I... I often wonder, why does Jesus meet people at such desperate times in their lives? Seriously, why does he do that? And I certainly wish I had never had any desperate times in my life, but I have. You stay around 70 years, you might have some too. Uh, He raised his hand, yeah, I get you, brother. (laughs) You You know, seriously, I wonder why did Jesus meet the woman at the well? Why did he do it? Why did he meet the lady with the issue of blood? Why did he meet Jairus, who was a member of the Sanhedrin court? This is a bad boy. He had everything. But it was one thing he could not do. He couldn't bring his daughter back. Why does Jesus do this? I guess it's the same reason he met the man at the pool. And that is, my fundamental argument is, he often meets us at places To carry us across, to to, to move us into places that we can't move ourselves. But check this out, friends. Watch the the dialogue between Jesus and the man. Jesus comes up to the brother Look, do you want to be made? Man, what are you talking about? Do I want to be made whole? Here I've been, man, I duke you out. Here I've been laying on this pallet for 30-some-odd years, and all these Methodists, Episcopalians, and Catholics, and wine-drinking folk, (laughs) been walking past me. What do you mean, do I want to be made whole? But you know, there was something weird about that. Sometimes I wonder, why did Jesus ask him that question? And then I thought about it. Sometimes you can be sick so long, you don't know what you want. And the man said, there's nobody to put me in. Well, that really made me mad. Jesus didn't ask the man whether or not there was somebody to put him in the water. The life lesson there is, just answer the question that he asked you. Do you want to be made whole? And I think fundamentally, we ought to have a statement about who we are and about what we want Jesus to do for us. Everybody ought to have at least one. Do you want to be made whole? Now, to get a handle on this, huh? when the people passed by, they heard the, the groans and the moans, but they didn't stop. The Methodists had to go to the administrative board meeting. (laughs) (laughs) The Catholics, they had to do a little something. They had to go to confession. I don't know what the Episcopalians and the You you see, there's something strange about church folk that's real strange. But at some point, friends, you got to break down the barrier of even church folk. huh? It reminds me when I was at the University of Chicago. That's a great university. Anybody ever been to the University of Chicago? Go there and get a degree if you want to. (laughs) I was a chaplain there, and uh, old Richard was there. And Richard was about to die. And so Richard was an Irish Catholic. Y'all may have heard this story. If you have, play like it's new. So they told me, the chaplain, go and get the priest. Get the priest so you could come and give Richard his final rites. Well, now, wait just a minute. It was snowing outside. And if you've ever been in a Chicago snowstorm, it was this high, and the priest couldn't get there. So guess who had to give? this rich, wonderful, good-looking, blonde, green-eyed, Irish Catholic, his final rights. This six-feet-four, once again, tall African-American guy with this kind of Afro, his final rights. (laughs) But I had a problem. I had a real problem. There was no little bitty pieces of bread. And there was no... There was no great Jews, but Barbara Ann was over there, and Barbara Ann had some Jay's potato chips and red rock pop. I took the Jay's potato chips and broke it that represented the body of Christ and put it on Richard's lip and said, this is the body broken for thee. Take and eat. He was on his pool of Bethesda, and I wasn't gonna walk on by. I dipped my hand in the red rock pot and put it on his lip, and I said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And all of a sudden, somebody started tapping me on my back. It was Richard's mama and his daddy. And they had their hands cupped like this. Give it to me too, preacher. Give it to me too. Sometimes you have to move beyond denomination. Sometimes you have to move beyond polity. Sometimes in the church of Jesus Christ, you got to make sense of this stuff. After we gave Richard his final rites, He went on in, on his pool, waiting to go in. Well, I don't have but three points. Point number one, hold on. That's what I want y'all to do. Hmm. I don't care where you are in life, just hold on. I met a wonderful man here this morning. He doesn't know how wonderful he was, When I saw him, I almost cried. I'm going to call him out. He doesn't even know I'm getting ready to call him out right now. But I'm going to do it because I'm 70 and I can. (laughs) He had a pen on his shoulder, and I think the pen said Vietnam. You took me way back. There was a lot of holding on going on over there. A whole, lot of holding on. But that's what we have to do. Hold on. Hold on to what? Hold on to God's word. That's all we Y'all know what I used to think. Now, there I go with y'all. I got a sister who's the chair of the English department at uh, University of Kansas in Lawrence. Don't feel none of this because she's always telling me how bad my English is. But hold on. Hold on to God's word. Hold on. And, and, and learn some word on the inside of us. Some scriptures and, and these wonderful songs and, 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 and because they're full of theology. This is a crazy world we live in now. But hold on. It's going to get better. It always does. It always has. Hold on to what? Hold on to the word of God. Secondly, don't give up. Now, when I say don't give up, let me tell y'all something. Don't give up on yourself, and don't give up on other folks either. Don't give up. Don't give up on the church. Folks are always talking about the church. The church is this and the church. Well, you the church. How you going to be talking about yourself? I don't like that church. What you mean you don't like? You don't like you? What are you talking about? Don't give up. Don't give up on nobody. A woman came to my office one time telling me how bad her son was. I said, ma'am, what are you talking about? I said, you made him, you fed him, you housed him, you did all of this. I started to go off on her. I started to say, whatever he is, that's what you are. Don't give up on people, especially your children. Mm-mm. I know my dad wanted to give up on me a whole lot of times, but he didn't. No, don't give up. Hold on. And then that third point is, guess what? Help is on the way. It always is. I'm a living witness. You know, that third time I had cancer, that was really weird too. Cause let me tell y'all this. I may have said this. Uh, You know how when you go in for surgery They tell you, now look, don't eat nothing the night before surgery. Well, now, come on now. (laughs) 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 Don't eat nothing the night before surgery. So there was this lady the night before surgery. She was pushing this cart. And uh, the cart had the three last turkey sandwiches on there and a couple of cans of coke. I took two of the turkey sandwiches. <laughs> that was the best turkey I'd have had in my life. And one of the Cokes. And I ate it. Oh, that was the be- But the next morning I paid for it. I started hemorrhage and hemorrhage and hemorrhaging and hemorrhage. And, hem- and it was the worst thing in the world. And they said, oh, he's dying, he's dying, he's dying. Now, I didn't see no light, so I I said, wait a minute, since I didn't see no light, let me come back on this side here. But all of a sudden, there was a Filipino nurse there, and she said, "Uh, don't worry, there are angels in there. That's why I believe in angels right now. There are angels in there. And all of a sudden, I kind of got myself back together, and there was a nurse rubbing on this hand here. I said, why is she rubbing on me? I'm glad she did, because at least she let me know I wasn't there yet. (laughs) But God made a way. Hang on. Don't give up. Don't give up on your jobs, your bosses. Your marriages. Boy came into my office, talking about, Reverend, she doesn't make me happy. She's not here to make you happy. with your ugly self. (laughs) What are you talking about? Ain't that the crazy, that she doesn't make me happy no more? What are you talking about, man? I hit you upside your head. And I ain't even, it's funny, but that's what they come in there with sometimes. And do you know what happened to him? Less than seven or eight weeks after that, he came in my office and he begged my pardon. He said, man, I am so happy that you told me that you would hit me upside my head, (laughs) and I was ugly. He said, I went back. I went back. Hang on. Don't give up. Help is on the way. It's coming. It's coming in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, let us pray. Oh Lord, may the words that you have brought to these, your people by way of me. God, I pray your blessings upon us now. Strengthen us. Strengthen this church and give us all a strong faith to face the future unafraid. Bless us now. Bless the preacher man that you got here. That he might continue to herald the good news of Jesus Christ. Bless all of the saints here. That they might go on out and tell somebody else how good you've been to them. Now bless us now and make us a blessing, in Christ's name we pray, amen. Listen, let me say this, I got one more word. Somebody here this morning is thinking about giving up. Where are you? You can come down here. Some of, somebody's thinking about giving up. Come on down here, come on. Hang on. Don't give up. Help is on the way, brother man. Help is on the way. Somebody else is thinking about giving up. Where are you? Ain't no shame in my game. Where are you? Don't give up. Don't you dare give up. I'll come back here and knock you upside your head. (laughs) God done blessed you. If you've been blessed by God, raise your hand. If you want some more blessings, raise your other hand. Now clap for him.